What up, dude? This your boy K. Dot Beans. And this your boy Coach Marcus. Welcome to the From the Soul to Mind podcast, presented by Redesigning Minds. Redesigning Minds is a psychiatric rehabilitation program serving youth, adolescents, and adults in the DMV. We specialize in helping with anger management, conflict resolution, and social skills, and job training. For more info, you can contact us at 443-2315. Today's episode, we're going to be focusing on grief and trauma in the urban community. We all know that grief and trauma affects us daily from all the gun violence we see. So today we want to talk about how it affects us personally and what we can do to kind of just deal with the things that we, um, the, the grief and trauma that we face and how we can kind of help each other with what we deal with daily. So how has trauma from gun violence affected you personally? Um, for me, I've had uh, a couple, well, about four or five family members, close family members that were, uh, um, that has passed away due to gun violence. Um, and for me, you know, each time it has came with a certain level of desensit- uh, being desensitized. Um, you kind of get used to it, especially when it's happening all around you. But then when it happens to someone close to you, that's another level of grief, and that's another level of emotions that you have to deal with. Um, so I know, you know, for starters, it can be, you know, it can be, you know, an individual could be caught off guard by it and not know how to express themselves and really deal with that grief, um, especially if it's someone they were very familiar with. Um, so, and, and you know, with violence, you know, it's unexpected, you know, usually. So one doesn't really have time to prepare as if, you know, on the contrary where, you know, the family member could be ill and they have time to mentally prepare that, you know, one day I won't have this family member. But when it's violence, it's usually come, it's coming at an hour where you, you expect it the least. You get the phone call that, you know, your family member has been, um, you know, shot or killed or, or stabbed, you know. How does one really deal with that? Like, you know, in an appropriate manner, you know, and then be able to express themselves and say, look, I need help, you know, you know. I would say, of course, it's affected me personally and kind of like part of what we're doing while we're doing currently is part of the gun violence and grief. So from a personal standpoint, it was always you never knew how strong you are until it happens. That's a fact. So you, you find yourself in my particular standpoint where we were always there for someone else's family, like all our friends would have their family members go down and you, you was there to wrap your arms around them. So when it finally hit home, it was just one of those situations like, this ain't it. Like, how do you wrap your arms around your own? And it was, it was weird because me and my brother Marlon had a conversation the other day kind of like tapping into this particular situation and it kind of hinted around to we kind of all took out different ways of handling it. Mm-hmm. And because we, we, we've never dealt with it before, it wasn't necessarily a right or wrong way. It just was our way of saying this is what I feel comfortable doing, so this is how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think... From well, what a, are some of the tools that how did you actually deal with it? Um, I think everybody had ups and downs like it's like a roller coaster like I, I always tell people when you get to a point of accepting it that's when you're uncomfortable but you you're never quite okay like I get days every day where I wake up and I think about Mike 
and I smile and I might get a day where I think about them and I cry. You know what I'm saying? The, the thing is, I don't necessarily shy away from it. I embrace it. There you go. I embrace those moments and with me embracing those moments, I use them to kind of use that fight for something positive versus me channeling it into anger because we all know what that cycle look like. You know what I'm saying? And then in a situation where in our town, the cycle is sometimes you never know who really did it. So you're out here looking for somebody that don't exist. Absolutely. You have no answers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing of <clears throat> just getting to the point where we as a community allow people to know that it's okay to not be okay. So once, we, once you say that you're not okay, let's wrap our arms around them in a positive, reinforcing manner versus it being a, well, yeah, what are we going to do about this manner? Because that's what it normally is, is let's ride for this, let's figure this out, let's do this, let's do that. Right. But beyond retaliation, that usually doesn't even fix what you're doing. No, nah, you just, you you just continue, that, you, you continue that genocide cycle. So now you're going back to kill someone else's family and someone else's family is going back to kill. Now you created this whole genocide of what we're already living in and we become even more desensitized. It's like, I told you that should be at, like, all that's right, you know what I'm saying? So that's where we at with it, just making sure that we figure out ways to embrace that grief and trauma and work through it versus us pushing it away saying like, you know what, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. Yeah, and I know for me, like, um, I was kind of um, a mentor to my little cousin, more like an uncle type figure. Um, you know, he was staying with me at one point, and, uh, you know, he just was growing into a man. Um, so he was around, he was 19 to 20 when he was killed. But, um, you know, I seen him the night before, but it was one of the situations where he didn't see me. So as I'm scrolling through, about to you know call him because I wanted him to you know I wanted to get his attention like hey I'm I'm near you pull pull up right you know um, something I was distracted and um, I never went back to my phone to call him yeah that's that's rough right so only a couple now mind you I'm getting out of that's the lot out of the club right so it's about one or two in the morning right and I see him passing by in a vehicle right so you really get him to, you really really hit him so he spin the bed and come back exactly yeah. you know let's you know let's go out to get something to eat or right. something and it's my birthday right it's my birthday you right. know so I want him to be a part of that you know so a couple hours later about five thirty in the morning I get a knock at my door and it's his grandmother. Right, so she like uh, you haven't you haven't you haven't talked to little you know little James, and I'm like I just seen him like no. I didn't call him like did I did I call him right, and then she was like no well you know he's been shot and you know she told me what happened I was devastated right so immediately I felt almost a guilt like wait a minute what if I would have reached out like I could have changed the course of you know where he was doing yeah. leading up into those yeah. hours yeah. Yeah. and um. But for me, like you said, I think acceptance has played a big part of my relief. Right. 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 Because I accepted the fact that this happened. There's no. It was no change in it, and I didn't have. I really did not have any control over it. Right. Now, granted, I, if I could take it back, I would have made sure I connected with him that last time. You know, but you know, it just can't happen. You know, and that was one of the things I had to come to terms with alone. You know, and, and on my own. Yeah. So, um, 
it's just it's just really just being a situation like you said where you just get to those moments on your own and you got to get your own reassurance but from a, a standpoint of content not necessarily content but understanding mm. because in reality we'll never understand why so the, as long as you fight to understand this is going to beat you up more because you're going to have a million and one questions well this person might have had something to do with that person that so the understanding isn't necessarily needed because sometimes you want to you find out things that you can't necessarily handle so the best thing to do is kind of just understand that it will never be okay but with it not being okay let me kind of just understand that i still have to move on you know what I'm saying? Um, so the, the next question, what ways, if any, has the grief and trauma continued to affect your daily mental health? Because one thing we want to always stay focused on with the show is always talking about everything and how it deals with mental health. Yeah. Like, just bring, have, make sure we keep that awareness of just about everything you do on a daily, day-to-day -day basis is important towards your, your mental health. Yeah. So I think... Um you know, for me, how I live now, like when you think of the word or mourning, like, and it's total, right? You think of a constant grief or a person that's in constant um, stress or worry about, you know, a traumatic um, event. But then when you think about, uh, you know, grief, you know, grief is very temporary. It's not, it doesn't have the same, it doesn't hit the same way mourning does because you have to be a willing participant to be mourning, you know, to continue that cycle of grief. Um, but, you know, the way that I look at it, you know, grief is temporary, I accept what's coming. I really sit with the emotion that, you know, that's being presented without trying to avoid the emotion, right? So even if that's, um, you know, isolating myself or meditating and really just sitting with that emotion, so I can respond in the best and appropriate manner, you know, and I try to do that on a daily basis, um, you know, to continue that positive environment of, you know, expression. Right, right, right. So, so I'll say for me, like it was, I'm just going to use my own personal situation here with Mike. When Mike left us, I was in a very, nobody, no one probably knew but my direct family members. I was probably in the darkest place of my life, 2019. I was done. Like I was out. I was here in the flesh, but mentally and emotionally, I wasn't here. Like even my upkeep, the way I moved, I just wasn't here. So when the Mike situation happened, in a weird way, although it damaged me from losing him, in another way, it kind of gave me a second chance to really live life. Because I looked at who he was as a father and the impact that he had amongst his people and that motivation that there became a part of who I am and why I do what I do daily because one thing I've noticed about him, he was 20, he left us when he was 24, but the impact he had at 24, some people never have. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Some people never have. So it kind of like where most people use the grief and trauma to, as pain, it became power for me. So now my daily moments is it could be worse i could not be here you know what i'm saying i couldn't i could not be a father i could not be able to work with boys every day so because there's a lot of people that we love and lost that don't have that chance that was doing what they was doing with what before they left us That's a fact. you know what i'm saying so from like I, I i definitely understand the opposite end of the spectrum but for me i kind of 
use it in a reverse manner. And I don't understand where I get the strength from sometimes, but the biggest thing for me I always tell people is what gave me strength was seeing his father's strength. Mm. That was like an out-of-body experience when you see someone that lose their child and they still just kind of pushing through and you not understanding that why are they pushing through like this? That gave me that relationship to understand when you get in these moments, it's only you and it's only God that can get you through these moments. Mm. Because we all hear, man, I go out here and shoot 50 people. I, I'm probably gonna never come out my house again. I'll probably kill myself. We all hear people say things like this when they get stuff like this. But then you see people that get stuff like this and they push their way through it, man. And you wondering like, I know they had their moments and they had those dark days. Well, yes, they probably do, but God says that you are more than what you think you are and I'm gonna help you through this. Because nobody else can get you through it. So whatever your higher power is, whether it's Allah, whether it's Buddhism, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever that higher power is, a lot of times, that's where the out-of-body experience happens to help us get through these situations. Because it cover us from, again, it cover us from not knowing certain things. It cover us from, uh, from opening up different opportunities for us because now we lost something, but he want to replace us with something else that's greater. It's, it's just weird how the world, the world works. And once we look at it that way, you start to see that there's definitely a higher power that can help you guide you through this because you're not going to be, as men, we'll never be able to get through situations like this because we're made of flesh, we're made of anger, we're made to retaliate, we're made to protect. That's who we are as, as, as people. So you have to tap into that other spirit that doesn't exist for you to say, you know what, there's got to be something other than me to kind of walk me through this. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at with it. Um, the next question, <clears throat> why do you think as a community we have become desensitized by gun violence and what would be a way that you think we could break that cycle? Like that's always been the biggest thing for me. Like yeah. even me myself, like, up until a point it was just like, yo, all right, that's just another one down. Right. Um, I mean, unfortunately, uh, like, it's one of those things that is probably going to continue to happen. Um, so we'll always be desensitized because it's always happening around us. I mean, if you think about it, this country was founded on war, like, and terror and um, the bully mentality. Um, so it's always going to be that element, you know, in the world, period, right? So, but it's, it's about the individual and how you respond to it, right? And start to change your own environment by the way you respond. Um, so I'm a big believer in, you know, just if you look at beauty, like it's an inside out thing. Like love is an inside out thing. Like, so when you deal with things, um, on an emotional level, the way you love yourself, the way is the way you respond to yourself, and that's how you're reflected and how people see you. Um, so everything is reflective, man. And I think that, despite you know being desensitized by violence and trauma, um, you know, we still have a great responsibility to you know, you know, respond how you really would want someone to respond um, to you. Um, so I think we should just all keep that in mind, you know, when we're moving about, um, because you, you could be on the other end of that, of the gun, you know what I'm saying? And just think about your family. Think about 
you know, everybody that will be affected just by that one decision that the other person is, is responsible for. Whew, that's just like a, 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 deep, a deeper question when you talk about being desensitized because I also feel like it's a learned behavior. And while I say it's a learned behavior, I just look at what we do on a daily, day to day basis when you, kind of like racism, you don't just wake up racist. It's something that's around you. It's something that whoever, whomever has an impact in your life is demonstrating, whether they say it or not, because a lot of times we may not say it, but just who we are and how we move can still demonstrate that actual behavior, if that makes sense. So when I think about the whole desensitizing community, I just think about simply, if you talk to the average kid about their family member, if you, hey man, like I heard, I'm, I'm sorry for your grief, you, you, you pouring love into them, it's a wall. And why is that wall? Because somewhere along the line, someone told them that you have to be strong. Mm. You have to keep pushing on. You can't take this moment uh, from this person that you lost to deal with it, when that's that, that's an absolute lie. How do you tell an 11 year old kid that he has to be okay with losing his father or losing his mother or losing his sister and he has to go outside these streets every day where he lost his, his brother and his sister and be okay with this? Mm. How? That's, that doesn't even make common sense, but that's what we do. We, we bury stuff, we bury stuff behind a rug and we just make things supposedly that it's supposed to be okay and everything just will, we'll put, keep putting stuff in the closet and putting stuff in the closet and putting stuff in the closet hoping that the lock is strong enough that the closet won't never open. No, then you explode. You know what I'm saying? Just, just think about it. Just think about it. So now all I'm doing is really instead of me putting stuff in the closet all I'm really doing is taking a gun and just putting more and more bur bullets in it until it can't take no more bullets. Now I'm walking around with a loaded gun. Because that's what, that's what you turn into. You turn into a loaded gun. So first time somebody hits that trigger, that trigger being something that sets you off, you unload on them. Unload the clip on them. Because somebody didn't tell you, hey, let me take that gun. Let me break it down. So let me take this trauma that you're facing. Let me break it down for you. Let me help you through it. Let me invest in you. Let me pour love into you. So you know that we're not saying that it's not, it, you should be okay. We're saying that we're going to help you maintain, you know what I'm saying, so you, so you don't explode on nobody. That's a fact. So that's where a lot of this has to start. It can't really, we as adults, we already are who we are. But what we can do is we can go back to our kids and say, hey, the stuff that I had to deal with and that I was okay with, you shouldn't be okay with. So let me tell you why you shouldn't be okay with and let me show you how not to be okay with. Not... Because I'm strong, you got to be strong. You're 10. Your level of maturity, level of competence is nowhere on the level of mine. I can't expect you. So if, if you take five days and you cry your heart out, that's what you're supposed to do. Because yeah. at least I know you're getting it out. You're not like if you, if you do it properly, you get it out. You won't be angry. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so that's like part of desensitizing, that's all it does is just build up these barriers and these walls that when this wall finally breaks, now you're going to hurt something or hurt somebody. Whether it's violence, whether it's verbal, whether it's well, however it is, you're going to hurt somebody. We have to stop 
allowing people to build those walls that we have to pour the love into them and invest into them. And even almost down to the whole giving the flowers concept. So you always hear people say, yeah, we should have gave him his flowers while we here. Okay, we did. He's gone. But now let's give his family their flowers. Mm. Let's let them know the impact that this person played in, in their life. Like you see it with celebrities all the time. We see it with the Kobe Bryant's. We see it with the Nipsey Hustles. We see people pour into their family forever. So why not pour into the people in the community that had that same impact? Why not? So now their family can feel like, all right, I can let my shoulders down. I don't have yeah. to walk around here feeling like I got to be okay. Because some days you're just not, no matter what nobody tell you, some days you're just not going to be okay with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's what I say. I say we have to start with pouring in love and just investing in the little ones to get them to understand, like, what you see isn't normal. What you see isn't normal. Like, we're, 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 we're definitely in a, in, a, in, a, in a cycle of genocide that's been, like you said, it's been around for ages. But even within that cycle, the little places where there is light, we got to expose more of that light. Yeah. What are some just daily coping skills that you kind of use, like exactly, like when I say daily coping skills, I mean like tangible things that anybody's listening can just take home with them to say, all right, I'm gonna do this if I'm going through this, or maybe I'll try that because I never tried it to do that. What are some daily coping skills that you kind of use, like? Yeah, when you no, just, oh man. And I wish I would've did this more as a kid uh, or when I, was young, when I was younger. And I try to tell my daughter this <clears throat> every day. Uh, but for me, bro, like I found like the biggest tool that I can um, that I can share is, bro, a deep breath. Like you, you know how valuable a deep breath is, bro. Like, man, it's for me, it's life changing because, like, in the snap of a finger, it can change my mood to, for me, really wanting to get aggressive to me, really um, responding instead of reacting, bro. Like a deep, like we sleep on the value that a deep breath really can bring you like it can really reset your whole your whole frequency your whole vibe um and i think we should we should really be given that as a tool like more often like like telling these people these kids and these people whoever's dealing with whatever whatever trying to whatever kind of trauma or grief man to just really stop and t take a deep breath take a couple deep breaths Right. And really just let it flow, let it out. Like, you know, um, I think that will eliminate a lot of anger and frustrations carried on to uh, when people go to engage. Like before you get out your car, take a deep breath. Before you get out of the bed, take a deep breath. Before you engage with someone, take a deep breath. Like it may not sound that simple, but like simple little like uh, habits like that can really be a lifesaver to your energy. Yeah, that's, that's dope. Like, one of the ones I kind of use is simple like that is, I, like, especially kind of like with my son, like, I try to make sure I don't scream at him much, so I always count to 10. Mm -hmm. And I'll do it out loud because I've been doing it for so long, so you know, all right, if he's counting to 10, then he's getting to a point where he's about to, you know what I'm saying? So even if I'm not, I'll kind of do it as a reverse psychology thing, just as a, like, all right, you know what? You're kind of taking me there, bro, so let's, let's relax a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, another thing is, I know, like, for you, you cook. So that would probably be one, like, when you're in your mood of cooking, nothing else really matters. That's like, a fact. You know what I'm saying? It's like, for me, um, 
just working with kids, traveling, just little things, but I feel like it could be, like you said, just something that is the deep breath, something that is the counting ten, um, something that's writing, whatever it is that you want to write. Write your thoughts down. Like the journaling thing could be so deep, you know what I'm saying? Or just from a situation since we're talking about grief and trauma and loved ones, what I normally do is, like, you'll see me post Mike a lot. Because I will have those days where something he did just reminded me, and they'd be like, all right, let me post them. Just so I, like, because I'm thinking of them, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't impose it on no one else. I don't tell no one else that they need to join me on this. This is my mission, my crusade. So, and, we, and when, when the people see it, I just want them to know, like, all right, that's one of those days he might have been having a bad day, so he used a cope with his coping skill to celebrate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because when you think of those moments instantly, it's just like you be sitting here and you ride by somewhere that your cousin might have been there, and automatically you smile to yourself, man. This was his spot. Yeah. For instance, Roddy Rich Ballin, that was his favorite song. So forever, every time I hear Ballin, I'll always smile about it. Yeah. Just those little things where you take those moments and embrace them. Again, that's make those moments acceptance. a part of your bag. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? That's a part of acceptance. Yeah, yeah. Man, his favorite, well, one of the car he was driving, um, or the car he had at the time when he passed, was a Camaro, bro. Like, so every time I see a Camaro, I think and yeah. I really do smile yeah. because of him. Yeah. Like every time he his song was, um, oh man, uh, Rich, one of them Rich Homie Kwan songs. Right. Man, but every time I hear that song, yeah. you're right, bro, yeah. it makes me yeah. smile. It, it like, becomes a, it becomes a fabric of you, and when we when we take those absolutely. moments, when we take those moments again, and we embrace it. It kind of is almost like you taking the weight off your shoulder because you're not gonna get you're not gonna get away from me. Like for, forever, nice. Halloween will be the day for me. That's a fact. And so, my birthday will always it, be. The that's day. what I'm saying. So forever, like no matter yeah. what you try to change, no matter what you try to hide. Um, I had another cousin. I lost him around the Thanksgiving holiday. So maybe like five or six Thanksgivings, I just wasn't feeling Thanksgiving. So finally, I was like, you know what? Let me embrace it. Let me get closer to my family. Let me enjoy my family more with the ones that are here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if he comes up and we celebrate him, we'll still celebrate him not being here. But you can't not necessarily push that stuff to the side or that that history don't get erased. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So with the history not getting erased, embrace it. Go to the, the burial site if you want as many times as you want. Take as many flowers as you out there. Like do as much as you want to do to celebrate them in a good spirit so that Dark place don't creep in. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times with the stuff that we do from a positive standpoint, we'll get ashamed of it. We'll let somebody tell us, hey, man, don't keep playing that song over and over again. You play that song too much. Mm. But that song is your happy place. Mm. That song is your place of keeping you away from this dark place. So for me, I tell anybody, do it. Do it as much as you want. Long as it doesn't necessarily become a hindrance of your daily well-being, who really cares? Yeah. And that's what we have to get a place of understanding that if you see somebody and they do something and that's their passion, embrace it. Don't deny it. So if I see this person and he gets his child every day and he can bring his child to work, I ain't gonna be like, man, why he keep bringing his son to work? Mm-hmm. If it's okay and it's legal for him to bring his son to work, then that's probably a happy place for him to keep him from doing something to lose his sanity. You know what I'm saying? That's a fact. But a lot of times we don't look at it like that. So like. That's what I would say, like, from a coping still standpoint, if you have something that you do and you do it because it reminds you of that person was there or something that reminds you of them, don't push it away and say, oh, man, I don't want to, 
No, it has to be a reason why this is on your heart, so celebrate it. Use it as a celebration versus it being a place that it takes you to make you sad. You know what I'm saying? So, for the most part, that's what I have. Um, again, you can follow Redesigning Minds on Instagram at uh, Redesigning Minds. And then you can fi also follow, we have a nonprofit that we're operating out of as well. You can follow us on Instagram and Redesigning Minds Inc. You can also follow us on Twitter, Redesigning Minds. And you can also follow us on Facebook. For more info, you can contact us at 443. 275-2315 and for all events and community initiatives you can also follow us on social media um, actually I think we have an event that's coming up December the 19th we're starting a Christmas drive and is going to December the 22nd so please look out on our social media for that info as well and um, we have the grief, our grief camp our camp Mike Mike grief camp it's funny I didn't say anything about it so um, we maybe did three or four sessions lately, and with those three or four sessions, we took 25 to 30 kids from the Baltimore area, <clears throat> and we made, like, the first session we did for a week. The next session, we did single-day sessions only because of schooling, and with those sessions, we kind of give them coping skills and strategies and just talk to them about the pain that they suffered from losing that loved one and just give them ways to be able to talk it through and work it out and deal with it. But also we want to kind of stay attached to them and pour that love into them that they need as well to keep going as well. So some of the same things we talked about on the show today is some of the things that we demonstrate in our Camp Mike Mike campaign. Um, look out for it. We're doing a lot in the community with it as well as a lot of community with redesign, a lot in the community with redesigning minds. So um, that's it for today's show. Um, anything you want to say, Baines? Any follow on social media? Any plugs? Any? Um, K. Baines um, on everything. Deep breaths, man. Take your deep breaths. Stretch and, and just let it go. Um, and um, man, peace and positivity, man. We out, y'all. Peace.